Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Yvonne Watanabe. I'll be your host. On with me today is my partner, Evan Wall. Evan, what's going on, brother? How are you? Doing great. It's a beautiful Friday. Ready for uh, ready to get the weekend going. Absolutely. I'm very excited. I'm heading to Turks on Monday. Uh, it's better I'm, than me. Oh, man. I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> for how um, long? We're going to go for five days. That's awesome. So just just long enough to, to, to miss home, I think. <laughs> you know? Awesome. You're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. I love that place. It's great. It is great. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about one of our core conversations that we both have with our clients around asset location, right? And when clients are investing and saving money, where are the different places that they should be putting it? And what are the different considerations that we make when, when making those recommendations, right? Um, how do I evaluate where I should be putting money, you know, besides just the growth rate or the rate of return? What are the other considerations that we should be talking about? So when you're having the conversations with clients, what's one of your major considerations or, or how do you frame it with them? So what we're talking about here is like, instead of individual financial products or strategies, we're talking about the bigger picture of your financial plan, right? How do how can you think about your personal finances as your personal economy, right? Because every, every product, every strategy is going to have ripple effects or impacts into the rest of your personal economy. And so uh, I like to have conversations with clients about not just the diversification of their investments, stocks, bonds, different types of companies, American, international, et cetera, but diversification of assets. What are the, how, what are the different types of assets and different types of strategies you hold? Which, which, of your, which part of your plan is taxable? Which part of your plan is tax deferred or tax free, et cetera? Uh, and so you want balance across everything to kind of handle all the unknowns that will occur in life. Um, but you know, diversification is more than just diversification between stocks and bonds. Yeah, definitely. I, I think to second that, I think one of our, our major conversations around this is sort of who makes the rules around how I can get my money back, right? Is it, you know, are there, does the government make the rules around the account? Is it the financial institution? Am I in complete control? You know, how and when, and, um, what are the implications of getting my money during certain situations? Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's really been incredibly valuable, especially over the last couple of years. I think it's really proved itself out. Right. Not just taxable, tax deferred, tax free, but also liquidity, right? Yeah. Diversification of liquidity. You got your checking and savings money immediately available. You got your 401k, which is not, you know, you're not touching that for 30 years. What's the money in between? And then, you know, there's lots of different variations of that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think one of our major considerations, and you've talked about it already, is sort of taxes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, tax, the, the history of federal tax rates, you know, is so important to understand when you're really planning for the short term and for the long term, right? How is my money taxed on the way in to these investment vehicles? And then how is it taxed on the way out? 
And I think, you know, when, when we have the conversation with clients, everybody complains about taxes, right? It's a huge sure. major conversation. It's a, you know, different ways for me to save on tax, not just today, but in the future, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of the major political, um, you know, campaign issues that folks are talking about, right. And, and, you know, that is always part of the dialogue and the conversation today is, is, you know, is interesting because we're actually one of the lowest federal tax rates ever. Right. And when I say that to clients, they're, they're sort of eyes kind of like clay sofa, you know, they're, they're, they don't believe me. Right. Mm-hmm. When we look mm-hmm. at the federal tax history, the, these are the, the federal, uh, the highest and lowest tax brackets today at 37%, the highest federal tax rate. It's one of the lowest ever. It's one of the lowest tax rates ever. I mean, I don't think we'll get anywhere close to this, you know, this time over here where taxes were at the 92 percentile, right? I mean, that'd be that'd be wild. Imagine making a dollar and only keeping eight cents. For for the listening audience who's not looking at the visuals, it's uh Ivan was pointing to 1941. There's uh the highest tax bracket was uh above 90 percent. Yeah. I don't know That's how right. I don't know how that happened, but uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but the the thing here is is sort of understanding the current environment, not just the markets, not just liquidity, but where are we in the, in the history of taxes? And again, one of the lowest federal tax rates ever. So when you're planning into you know, investing in different buckets, it's important to take that into, into account, right? And understanding, okay, well, where are we today with our tax rates? And then where will we be in the future? And it, it's, I, I oftentimes laugh when folks say, hey, I'll be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. That may not necessarily be the case. I mean, if you do a great job saving and investing money, depending on how much income you're pulling from all the different sources, you might be in the same or a higher tax bracket. You might have more money to enjoy in the future. Hopefully. And that's just your financial situation, right? That's not even taking into account tax brackets themselves. Correct. I don't, I don't ask too many people... Or I don't hear too many answers of people who say, you know, I expect taxes to go down, right? Does anyone expect taxes to go down with grow? Like everyone's pretty well aware that Social Security is underfunded and Medicare is going to become a bigger, bigger part of the budget. And that that's going to come from somewhere because it's going to be too unpopular for any politician or or politicians to get elected on the uh, on the understanding that they're going to cut Social Security. Like they're just not going to get elected. And so that revenue has got to come from somewhere and it's likely coming from taxes. I don't see anywhere around that. Absolutely. And so then it becomes, okay, well, now that we have this in, in mind when we're planning and in, in again, asset locating dollars going into different buckets, what do we think about, right? So when we think about each bucket has a different sort of tax environment, right? Tax today assets, Money that gets taxed after, you know, is after tax dollars that get contributed to these buckets. So stocks, bonds, mutual funds, hedge funds, municipal bonds. Uh, actually, let me rephrase that. Uh, mutual funds, business equity, private equity, any type of investment, real estate. It's all after tax dollars that you're making as contributions to these different investments, right? So the money goes in after taxes, assuming you're at the highest tax rate, 37%. When the money comes out of those accounts, the principal that you invested is all tax-free, but the growth is going to be subject to whatever the capital gains tax rate is at that time, right? So right now it's 23.8% for the highest uh, tax rate. So dollars going in, all after tax, principal comes out tax-free, and then uh, you pay capital gains tax on the growth. Now, that's why things like a 1031 exchange exist in real estate where you can take the gains from a property 
and roll them over into another one. And then hopefully you just keep doing that until, you know, eventually you have some sort of liquidity event, right? Mm -hmm. All right. On the tax advantage side, so dollars going in, again, after taxes, just like in the first bucket, inside of this tax advantage bucket, we've got Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, 529 plans for college, municipal bonds, and then the life insurance, death benefit, and cash value. Money's going in after tax, again, just like in bucket one, but the dollars are coming out fully tax-free. All right, fully tax-free. So when we access capital from those different accounts, assuming that you're abiding by the rules of mm -hmm. 529 plans and Roth IRAs, et cetera, that those dollars will come out tax-free. All right. Right. So there's a, just to be clear, it's not, not in all uh, circumstances, can't use $529 to, you know, for your grocery bills uh, that you, you will get taxed and penalized. So like Yvonne said, you do have to follow the rules uh, associated with, uh, with those strategies. But as long as you do, there's, there's definitely tax advantages there. Absolutely. And then the last, the last bucket tax deferred assets, right? 401ks, 403bs, SEP IRAs, social security annuities, dollars going in pre-taxed, right? And then dollars coming out fully subject to whatever the ordinary income rate is in the future, principal and interest, right? And it's very funny how I think how proud people are with how much they contribute to their 401ks, right? I think oftentimes the conversation is, you know, of course I max my 401k out. But for, for some people that may not make sense, right? Given where we are in today's tax environment, you're actually deciding to not pay taxes when tax rates are low and choosing to pay taxes in the future when principal and interest will come out fully taxable at likely a higher tax rate. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say that that's the case for everyone, but it really needs to be part of the conversation of where do we think tax rates are going? And then where are different options to put dollars into these three different buckets? And that is like a core conversation that we have with just about every single client. Right. I don't know this, what your thoughts are. Yeah, I've heard this explained to me as reverse tax planning of you put in, you know, contributions into 401k, for example, and you don't pay tax today, you pay tax in the future. But if by the way, taxes are higher in the future, you just you kind of you, you did that the wrong way. Yeah. What's interesting is the way the math works is if if taxes are the same, if you're in, in the same tax bracket, the brackets are exactly the same today and in the future. It doesn't matter whether you choose the Roth or traditional, but what does matter is, is there a difference? Is our taxes going to be higher in the future or going to be lower in the future? And so that's really where you want to start to think about how can I, can, how can I be strategic about that? And because we don't know what the future holds, again, you want to think about diversification of, of your assets, asset location. Most people that we meet have a good number, a, a good percentage of their assets already in traditional pre-tax 401k. And so you want to start to, if that's the case for you, you want to start to think about how can you build money that when you get to retirement, you can access it on a tax advantage basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and again, I think oftentimes folks make statements or their, their strategies based off of the existing environment, not considering future environments. So folks will say things like, you know, I'll just do a backdoor Roth IRA. Well, what if the government shuts down the ability to, to do that conversion in that particular year? And oh, by the way, are you tracking your contributions to that backdoor Roth IRA every single year going forward? Because mm -hmm. you're going to need that information when you start to distribute money from the Roth, right? Mm -hmm. Are you factoring in your IRA you know, accounts when you are doing that? Because it's not a dollar for dollar on the way out. So 
it's all of these pieces where I think folks need to really understand where they are putting their dollars, take into account today's current environment from the tax perspective, market risk, all of those things, and then make sure that they are building a plan, not just for today, but again, for the future, right? Where do we, th- where do we see things headed? Um, and for me personally, like I max out my Roth 401k, not one single dollar goes into a tax deferred bucket. Same. Right? Not one single bucket, not one single dollar. Money's going into tax today, tax advantage um, through life insurance, through Roth 401k, because I, I am a big believer in the fact that tax rates will rise, right? Um, and, and I really want to try to reduce how much money I have in that particular bucket. And then from an estate planning standpoint, it's probably one of the worst assets for you to pass down to folks. Um, what's that, a 401k? The 401k. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we look at this, you know, again, sort of beyond the taxes, what are the different considerations that we're making for investments, right? Is this investment market-based or is it risk-based? Excuse me, is it market-based or is it promise-based, right? Are there other risks associated with it or, you know, is it contractually obligated to occur? And you mentioned this earlier, like, what are the terms of the liquidity? How do I get my money out of the investment? Right. And we had Russ on to talk about private equity investments a couple of weeks ago. And when we when we had the conversation, I think one of the big the, the big you know, considerations there is how am I getting my, my money back? Mm-hmm. Right. How am I actually going to realize the gains? How long um, is it going to take? Yeah, that's right. What's my expectation on that? What are the rules around that? Can I leverage the asset? Can I borrow from it? Does it still compound over time? when I borrow from that capital? What's my tax liability when I go to withdraw it? Again, are there any other additional risks present? So, you know, 401k, for example, if I need to touch the money before I'm 59 and a half, you know, what are the penalties associated with it? How much can I get out, right? If I put money into my brokerage account, you know, how, what are the taxes, what are the tax implications? Mm-hmm. Um, if I have, you know, a piece of real estate, right? What are the additional risks there? Well, if I have a investment property and I don't have a tenant for six months, you know, that's a risk that may be present. Or if I get sued, am I properly protected? All of those kinds of conversations. And then lastly is what's the, the return on the investment, right? Is it linear or is, or is there sort of a velocity of money? Can I use my money while it's still growing, right? Anything else that you would add to the sort of, you know, considerations here? Not off the top of my head. I mean, every, every personal situation is unique, right? So what, what you're, you know, your financial situation is going to dictate, is going to warrant, where do you need to focus the priority? Is the prior, Should the priority be liquidity, access to cash, rate of return, long-term thinking, short-term thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, again, you, you want to think of your own personal economy from a bigger picture perspective. Definitely. And so when we take a look at the different asset classes here, right, all the different types of investments that we put in place, you know, we really have, again, market-based or promise-based. Can I, can I liquidate it? Is it liquid? And can I leverage it? Can I borrow from it? And then what's the tax distribution on the back end? So for those listening, market-based assets or market securities are market-based, they're liquid. I can borrow from them um, through margin loans. And again, we're not recommending any of these strategies for anybody. And you have to be extremely well-versed in how you are going to get your money out. So really understanding the rules around a margin loan, if that's what you choose to do. And then again, the tax distribution, fully taxable on that asset. Qualified plans, so that's 401ks, 403bs, they are market-based, they're not liquid, generally speaking, and they are leverageable. So you can borrow per plan 
um, with limitations, with limitations, right? 50% up to $50,000, whichever one is lower, mm -hmm. right? And again, understanding if I do repay my dollars back into the plan, that they're after tax dollars, what happens if I separate from employment? So you really want to understand the nuanced rules between those different options. I think that is, again, critical, just understanding each plan is very, very different with their rules on mm -hmm. repayment. Um, again, tax deferred assets on the on the 401k side. Real estate market-based, not liquid. It is leverageable um, and fully taxable. Uh, IRAs, SEP IRAs, market-based, not liquid, not leverageable, tax deferred. So for a lot of folks, that is um, that may be one of the last pieces that we uh, decide to put funds into potentially. Whole life insurance, not market-based, it's promise-based, it is liquid, it is leverageable, and it's tax-advantaged, so the assets can be tapped into on a tax-free basis. Private equity, market-based, not liquid, generally not leverageable, taxable, and then guaranteed annuities are promise-based, not generally liquid, and not leverageable, and tax-deferred. Uh, so these are just some of the different asset classes that are available out there. But really, again, these are the major things that we consider as we put together somebody's plan on cash flow and different assets and where we should be putting these dollars to use. There is no one magic asset class, right? So we really talk about diversification, as you mentioned, Evan, in the, in the, in the beginning of where should we be putting dollars and and making sure that we have different options, right? I just think flexibility is so important as we build out somebody's plan. I don't know how you feel about it. Optionality, you know, I mean, <laughs> the the great thing about accumulating wealth is it gives you choices, right? It gives you choices to spend money, go on vacation, but it also gives you choices to invest in things, uh, help, you know, family members if needed. Uh, so, build your financial life to give yourself choice. Yeah. And, and I think what we've found over time is that the more, the different buckets that people have, the more buckets that they have, the more optionality that they have, you can take advantage of whatever is going on in the market, yeah. whatever is, uh, whatever is going on in your life. Right. So tax rates are really high. Well, then we want to take more money from the tax advantage bucket and the taxable bucket, right? Tax rates happen to be low or you're not working in that particular year, whatever it might be, then the tax deferred asset may be the best place for you to take it, right? If the markets are crushing it in retirement, then that's a great time for you to take the assets from there. If the market is down, right, in retirement, then we want to be able to take, a, you know, assets from something that's promise-based or leverageable, right? So really just having these options every single year will, will, improve the chances of having a successful accumulation, but also distribution phase of retirement, right? Yeah, allows you to stay nimble based upon the current circumstances, which are always yeah. changing and unknowable in the future. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, there's so many, I feel like there used to be a lot of adages, you know, if the stock market went up, the bond market went down, bond market mm -hmm. went up, mm -hmm. stock market went down, et cetera. But last year we saw that wasn't true. Nope. I, I mean- you know, both were down in a big way last year. And so there was no quote unquote safe money. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so just, you know, how do you plan around that? You know, do you want to be tapping into those asset classes that you thought were safe during retirement, or do you have to have a separate other place to go to? Right. Um, if again, going back to the real estate piece, like if you have a tenant in there and then all of a sudden that tenant decides not to pay or, you know, decides to leave and you don't have, it's vacant for a period of time. Like, how are you addressing those risks? It's a great asset class to have, but 
you know, you have to have other places to go to in order for you to make sure that that doesn't set you back in a big way. Yeah. Right? You, don't want, think- you don't want over-reliance on any specific product or strategy. What I, what I, what I probably see the most is an over-reliance on things like a 401k. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you want, you want a, a bunch of different optionality uh, depending upon the situation. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, the listening audience, I think one of the major takeaways that we would want to have, you know, as you leave the conversation is really just identifying and understanding all of the different options and the flexibility of each asset class that's available to you, right? Taking taxes into consideration. How am I putting the money in? How am I going to get my money back? And then really just, you know, putting together a plan that works best for you um, against all of the different, you know, types that are available. Right. Anything else that you would add, Evan, as we kind of wrap up? No, I think we I think we cover it all, you know, put a think from a bigger picture perspective. And uh, actually, one more thing I will add is, especially when you're getting started, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. And and so start with areas that are going to lay the foundation for for your future. Um, Don't feel like you need to have all of this uh, overnight, but, you know, start start to think more. five, 10, 15, 20 years out and think about where you want to get to. And you'll accumulate these different assets over time. Um, but you know, it's not going to happen overnight and that's fine. Definitely. Well, thank you, Evan. Again, always, I love having the conversation and sharing, sharing our information and our knowledge. Uh, and to you, the listening audience, thanks for tuning in. Please click subscribe below uh, to be notified when we have our next episode. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is intended for general public use and for informational purposes only. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Tax laws are always subject to change. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Yvonne Watanabe and Evan Wool are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Evans' California Insurance License Number 0H04936. Compliance Approval 2023-157709 expires July 2025.